The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning, Park Church. Today's scripture reading is Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, Park Church. So good to see you. Uh, For those of you who are joining online, we're so thankful that you are joining with us and worshiping with us as well. Uh, In just a moment, we're going to get into that passage a little bit. Genesis 1, 26-27. Make sure uh, you have that open. Again, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here. uh, And I'm so glad to be with you as we uh, begin the second week of Advent. Now, through the history of the church... Uh, The church has set aside the four weeks leading up to Christmas as a time to remember that for hundreds of generations before us, God's people waited with anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. And, And it's also been a time where we acknowledge our own anticipation and our own longing as we find ourselves between Christ's first coming 2,000 years ago, roughly, and his second coming. We are reminded again during this season that Jesus will return again and make all things right. And so we wait with anticipation and longing for that day. And and this year, we're calling our Advent series Echoes of a Voice. I know that's a little bit different. Some, some have been asking, what does that even mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, well we got that title uh, from a book called Simply Christian by N.T. Wright, which is one of the resources we're recommending uh, that, that our congregation read during the time. So if you haven't picked up that book yet, I'd encourage you to do it. It's a great one. But, but the premise of the series here, the echoes of a voice is this. Every human being has certain longings. Every human being. Longings, according to scriptural uh, teaching, these longings reflect the reality that God is our creator. He's revealed himself in and through his creation and continues to reveal himself through these longing, longings and desires. Now, I'll give you a couple examples that we're going to be handling in this Advent season uh, one, humans long for justice. We, Miguel covered this last week. We, we as human beings long for justice because God is a God of justice. It's his character, his nature. God is just. We have a sense that, that all is not yet right in the world. And we have this longing and this desire, this echo of a voice that, that causes us to long for everything to be fixed and made right. Humans long for purpose and meaning. And very often in culture, that's expressed as a, a longing for something spiritual, spirituality. 
And so while we, we see across the country mainline denominations, attendance is dropping and, and even regular attendance of churches on Sunday uh, across our country and other countries may be declining, what is increasing, what is growing is the number of people who would not identify maybe as religious, but would identify as spiritual. Most of us don't want to be called religious, but we don't mind being called spiritual. So the question is, where does that come from, that longing and that desire for, for spirituality? Humans long for and delight in beauty. It's one of those echoes of, of God's voice. Uh, so every chance we get, what do we do? We head to the mountains, right? We head to the mountains. Uh, we turn on great music. We fill our homes with beautiful paintings or marvel at the cinematography of a well-made movie. Why? Because we were made to delight in beauty because God is a God of beauty. And, and all of these longings, all of these desires are echoes of God's voice. They are all ways that God himself is revealing himself to the world and inviting us through those echoes into a relationship with him. And, and that leads us to the echo of God's voice that we're going to be focusing on today, which is our universal hunger for relationships. All human beings have a hunger for relationships. Now, I think most of us would agree one of the most one of the most challenging not if the most challenging one of the most challenging realities of the pandemic this past year for so many people uh, has been loneliness in isolation and so in in or and we just see the the ramifications of that all through our city all through our church in order to stop the spread of COVID, we've been forced to isolate ourselves from our friends and our family. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. That, that is something we believe we should do. We believe scientists, we believe the guidelines are good and helpful as a church. Obviously we are taking that seriously and we will continue to take it seriously. So, so I'm not saying it's wrong that we had those guidelines or that we've done that. The, the reality is, though, there have been incredible uh, uh, ramifications of that. And while that isolation and separation uh, protects us and our loved ones physically, it has had massive effects on us as human beings, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Back in mid-July, so this is a little bit of an older study, but these were the most recent numbers I was able to find uh, a poll was taken by the Kaiser Family Foundation, and it revealed some pretty um, important realities of this time of COVID. Uh, in mid-July, 53% of adults in the U.S. reported their mental health has been negatively affected. Think about our entire nation. 53% of adults said their mental health had been negatively affected. 30%... Uh, had been having difficulty sleeping, 32 have experienced difficulty eating. I didn't have that problem, but maybe some of you did. That wasn't one of the effects on me. I had other ones. Uh, of the people that were polled, there was a 12% increase in alcohol and substance abuse. And then the article goes on to say that a broad body of research links 
listen to this, social isolation and loneliness to poor mental health. We all know this intrinsically, but the science backs it up as well. And data from late March shows significantly higher shares of people who were sheltering in place, roughly 47%, reported negative mental health effects resulting from worry or stress related to the coronavirus than among those who were not sheltering in place, roughly 37% of those polled. In particular, here it goes again, isolation and loneliness during the pandemic may present specific mental health risks for households with adolescents, so little ones, and for those with older adults. The the share of older adults, and older there being 65 and up, reporting negative mental health impacts has increased and continues to increase since March. Numbers are just going up. And then polling data shows that women with children under the age of 18, all right, so Moms at home with your kids doing online learning. This is for you. Polling data shows that women with children under age of 18 are more likely to report major negative mental health impacts than their male counterparts. Why? Why is that? Why are we seeing all these effects, all these ramifications of isolation? Because we were not created to be alone, that's why. According to the biblical storyline, we were not created to be alone. We were created to be in relationship. We were created to be in community. And that takes us back to our key passage for the day that we heard read earlier, which is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If you would go ahead and turn there, uh, and we'll, we'll read it all together and spend a little bit of time in that passage. So let's, let's read it together again. Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So again, repeats it. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, both he created them. So what do we see in these two verses? We're just going to camp out here for a little bit. In these two verses, that helps us understand why we long for a relationship. Where does this longing for a relationship come from? Let me give you two things. Number one, we see in this passage, God exists eternally in community, in relationship with himself. This is what we call in Christian tradition, the Trinity. Notice uh, what theologians will call the divine dialogue happening within the Trinity. Look at verse 26. Let us, right? So let us, plural, Seems like we have one God speaking, but when he's speaking to himself, the divine community, he's speaking in plurality. Let us make man in our image, right? Plural again, our image after our plural likeness. So here God is speaking in the plural when speaking to himself, which is kind of weird. 
What's going on? I think if I walked in and I heard you talking to yourself this way, I'd be worried about you. And here we have God talking this way about himself, speaking in community. And yet what we see in the passage also is that this God who is a community is still one God. One God. Notice verse 26. Then God, singular, said. Now, in the Hebrew, uh, which is the underpinnings of our English translation, God, there is the word Elohim, the, the Hebrew word Elohim. And that is the one name of God that kind of references and refers to and has meaning of God being a plurality, but it's translated in English as singular. So then God, this one God is a community. Verse 27, so God, again, there's Elohim, Singular God who exists in community created man in his singular, referring to God, own image, in the image of God, he, singular again, created him, male and female, he, referring again to God in the singular, created them. God created both of them in the image of God. So, the takeaway for us, and there's so many things that could be said here. We could have months-long sermon series out of these two verses. We aren't going to do it, don't worry, but I'm just saying we could, all right? And at the very core of what's being revealed to us about God, the very core of the nature of God is this reality. The one God exists in community. And we find out later in Scripture, not necessarily here, but we find out later in Scripture, this one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, it is a mystery. Like, if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're like, what kind of weirdo place did I just walk into today? Like, and in, in, as Christians, we're like, we get it, it's weird, we don't understand it. And what we also know as finite beings, created beings, we're never fully going to grasp this. This one God created in a community, Father, Son, and Spirit. It is mystery, but this core truth about God is revealed through the Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, what else do we see in these verses? Number two, you can write this down if you'd like. Human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. Those are the exact words in the Bible, in the image and likeness of God. Now, look at verse 26 again. Then God said, let us make man. I, there's a better translation there. It should be mankind. The Hebrew word that's translated man here is mankind. So that means both men and women. Okay, so humankind, mankind. So God created man. It says, let us make mankind in our image. There it is. And our likeness, verse 27. So God created man in his own, what's the word? I'm just making sure you guys are still awake. Were you with me? We're going to get through the theology in just a minute. Hold on. All right, so let's do that again. Everybody, we'll say it together. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what does it mean that human beings, that mankind, that you and I are created in his image and likeness? Now, just an interesting little detail about the ancient world. 
In the ancient world, kings would place images or statues or icons of themselves all through their kingdom. So through archaeology, we know this, we see this everywhere, right? If you go into the ancient world and you find ruins, you're going to see statues and icons and images of the king spread throughout various kingdoms through history. Now, now why did they do that? Well, primarily for two reasons. Those kings wanted the, the people who they ruled over to know who their king was, right? Because most of them probably would never see the king. And it was also a way of reminding them what that king expects of his subjects in his kingdom. So the goal was to affect how they lived based on the reminder of who the king was and what he was like. Now, okay, with that understanding, what might God be saying to us from his word here? At the very least, the very least, the fact that human beings are created in the image and likeness of God means we were created to reflect his character and his nature in the world in such a way that no other part of creation can. That there is nothing else in creation that's created in the image of God. Now that doesn't mean that the rest of creation doesn't in some way reflect God. And we can, the Bible tells us multiple times, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. Paul in Romans 1 says, we are without excuse because he speaks to us. He's revealed himself to us every day, day in and day out through what he has made, through his creation. So absolutely, all those things point to God, but there's nowhere in scripture, nothing else is described as being created in the image of God. It's only men and women who are created in the image of God. Now, take all of that. Since God is a relational God, we are his image bearers as we are relational beings because we bear his image. We hunger for relationship. Why? Because God, who is a relational God, created us for relationship just like he is in relationship. Relationship with him and relationship with others. Now, some of you know this, others of you don't, that, that my family moved to Denver the beginning of March. So my very first Sunday on staff as a pastor at Park Church was March 1. Now, how many of you remember what might've been happening right around there a couple weeks after that? This freaking thing called COVID, right? hit like I had one Sunday that was normal. Second Sunday, it was already getting weird. Do you remember that one if you were here? We had the cups like we have today and everyone's like, oh, I don't like this, where you had to peel off the top and get the bread. We were already doing that. We were already trying to distance. We were already trying to have sanitizer around. That was week two for me. Week three, shut down. 
okay? So here's my family. We moved to Denver. We leave the community in Southern California that we have been in for 20 years. Uh, I left the church that I had been pastoring as a lead pastor for 13 years. We left all of that because we believe God was calling us to come here and serve at Park Church, to, to live in Denver and love and serve this city. And COVID hits. And, and the worst part for us in that season, and still a little bit of a challenge now, is not that we were missing Southern California. Because just let me tell you, where we lived isn't the Southern California you're thinking of. All right? So, like, think deserts, and the only trees we had were Joshua trees, um, which are beautiful. They're cool, but they're not like these trees. Um, people would actually like put Christmas lights on, on their shrubs and, and bushes and tumbleweed because like that's all we had, right? So don't think beach, don't think palm trees, don't think surfing, don't think that. That's not where we lived, right? And, and the longing and the ache we had in our life wasn't that I couldn't find any Lakers fans in Denver, which I'm still trying to find, by the way, trying to convert some of you. Maybe we'll get there. If they win a few more championships, maybe we'll get some bandwagon fans. I'll take them. That, that longing and, and hurt in our lives that we were feeling had nothing to do with the fact that we left a place where there was like an in and out on every corner. Now there's one here. So that's kind of cool. Anybody gone to the new one yet? Didn't want to wait 14 hours smart people, right? So, so it wasn't those things that we left. It wasn't the place. It was the people. It was our relationships. It was our church. It was our friends. Why? Because we were created to be in community. We were created as image bearers of God to be in relationship with God. Now, I do, don't feel bad for me. Don't be like, oh, poor Chris. Not, not that you are, but um, we're good. We're making friends. Things are, things are better now than they were, but it's still different. It's still a challenge because we are created to be in community with people, and we're all feeling that in different ways. Now, what do we do with all of this? How do we respond to this? What do we do with this? How do we apply this in our lives? Let me just give you three seem like to me pretty logical responses. Number one, find your greatest joy, delight, and satisfaction in the God who pursues you because he longs to be in relationship with you. He created you for that. Now, Please hear this point rightly, okay? He doesn't pursue a relationship with us because he needs us in any way, right? God wasn't up in heaven, and, oh, I just got to create people so they can complete me, right? No, that's, that's not what's going on here. A God that needs anything or anyone other than himself isn't much of a God and is definitely not worthy of our worship. Don't ever forget who we're talking about when we talk about God. We're, we're talking about the God who had no beginning. He's eternal. Try and imagine that. No beginning. That's the God we're talking about. 
He has existed forever in the most perfect, beautiful, satisfying, communal relationship. We call the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He didn't need anything. He doesn't need anything outside of himself. And when he created human beings, thank God, nothing changed for him. We did not complete him. We did not make him better. We didn't make him more happy. He remained who he had always been, perfect, holy God. And it's only through a relationship with him that your longing for a relationship can ultimately be satisfied. Why? Because that's what you were created for. He's who you were created for. Jesus said it like this to the Samaritan woman at the well, very familiar story. I'd love to get into it, just don't have the time, but John 4, 14, having this dialogue with a woman that in that cultural setting, nobody else would have been, but there's Jesus, God in the flesh, getting into this woman's life and loving her and caring for her. And he says this, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. He wasn't talking about physical water. He was talking about spiritual water, eternal life. And the water that I will give him or her will become in her or him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. So find your greatest joy, delight, and satisfaction in the God who pursues you because he longs to be in relationship with you. Now, the, the best way I know to stir up in me a longing to pursue that God is to remember. Uh, remember, remember what? Number two. Remember how this God, according to the scriptural narrative, remember how this God pursued you so that you could be in relationship with him. Let me say that again. Here's what will stir up that desire in you to be in relationship with this kind of a God. Number two, remember how this God pursued you, pursued me, so that you could be in relationship with him, not because he needed us, rather because he wants us to find our hope and our joy and our satisfaction in the only place possible that's in a relationship with him. You see, left to ourselves, why did, why did he come to us? Because left to ourselves, we could never, we would never seek a relationship with the true God of the universe. Romans 3, verses 10 through 11, as it's written, none is righteous. Nobody, no, not one, no one understands. Now listen, no one seeks God. What is Paul saying there? He's saying left to yourself without God coming and doing something for us, we would have never sought him out. We would never have pursued a relationship with this God. 
And then, obviously, we would, have, we would have missed out on what God created us for. So the beauty of the gospel is that God didn't wait around for us to come to him. Thank God. Because we never would have gone to him. So God came to us. That's why uh, the apostle John speaks of Jesus this way in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. There in your Bible, you'll see word is capitalized. It's referring to deity. It's referring to, to the second member of the Trinity, the Son, Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Why? Because he was in the flesh. He came to earth 2,000 years ago. We've seen the glory of God in Jesus. Glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came to us. He didn't have to do that. He wanted to do that. And what did he come to do? Well, he lived a life that we should have lived, but haven't and couldn't. He died the death we deserve to die by, by bearing the, the just punishment of God on the cross for our sins. Jesus stepped in our place, took that for us. He was raised on the third day having victory over Satan and sin and death. Also, we could be forgiven of our sins. And that wall, that dividing wall, that wall of division between us and God could be broken down. And he brought us into eternal relationship with himself by grace through faith. Not by your religion, not by your good deeds, not by being a good Denverite. Nope. By grace through faith in Jesus, the one who created us to be in relationship with him did all of this for us. That will stir your affections if you really believe it. That will make you want to pursue a God like that. So let that truth sink deeper and deeper into your heart. And I want to address some pushback here that might be there. Some of you might be going, hey, I know that. Like for some of us, we learned that when we were four years old and we're like, isn't there more? Is there more than the gospel, really? Is there more than letting the, the reality that God took on flesh and came and did for us, what we could never do for ourselves, that truth, that reality, to sink deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper? Is there more than that? I don't think so. And let it be the fuel that drives you to a passionate relationship with him. Let that be the fuel. Not the sense of, I've got to earn his love, I've got to earn his favor. Because listen, in Jesus, you already have his love. You already have his favor. You already has, have his acceptance. So let that truth drive you, fuel you, empower you, energize you to pursue a relationship with your creator. It's what you were made for. So, so remember that we were created to be in right relationship with God and others. So far, we've really only focused on our relationship with God. So how does my understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done cause me to be in relationship with others the way that God intended? How does that affect now my human relationships? And that leads us to our final point. Number three, if you want to write it down. Have the mind of Christ in your relationship with others. 
Have the mind of Christ in your relationship with others. In other words, be so immersed, so in love with who Jesus is, Jesus himself, and, uh, and be so immersed in how he lived as preserved for us in scripture that your model for what it looks like to be in relationship with other people is shaped and molded by the one who is making you into that new creation, Jesus himself. Rather than all of the other cultural narratives that just force you deeper into your own self-centeredness. The world, the culture says, go deeper into you. God says, come out of you, go into me, pursue Christ, be molded by Christ, come out of yourself, and then you'll be able to find the freedom of loving others. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through uh, verse 7. Paul says, do nothing, imagine this, if we live this way, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but rather in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Like you don't have to go out and get this kind of thinking. You don't have to go out and find the mind of Christ. If you're in Christ, you already have it through faith by God's grace. Now Paul's just saying, now live out of that identity. Live out of that mindset, which is already yours in Jesus. Don't live for yourself, live for others. Who, though he was in the form of God, referring to Christ, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here it is. But he emptied out himself. He emptied himself. How? By taking the form of a servant. So God's word is telling us, Here's how you have a relationship with God. God's pursuing you. Respond. And out of that, here's how you live in relationship with others. Do it like Jesus, right? Be a servant. Pour yourself out. Empty yourself out. Put others before yourself. And then in that process, begin to experience all the joy and the love that God created you for. So we as image bearers of God hunger for relationships. That's one of those echoes of God's voice in the world inviting us back into relationship with him. So, so my question for you as we, can, we end here is, how are you going to respond to this? Will you continue to turn to the cheap substitute that the world offers to attempt to sas- satisfy that longing for a relationship? Or... Will you pursue Jesus, the one who made you? Will you pursue your relationship with God and out of the abundance of that relationship, be in community with others? I pray you will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that speaks to the very core of who we are as human beings. These are questions and these are issues that every human being wrestles with whether follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus or atheist or whatever, God, we all wrestle with these issues of identity. And God, I pray right now in this moment that your people would hear your word to them 
and respond exactly how they need to in their own life. And then God, not just individually, that we would also, as a church, be the kind of people you created us to be in relationship with you and in relationship with others. So God, would you do that work in us today by the power of your spirit? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.